As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday roundtable edition. I am Rob Beasel from CBC Sports. Joined, as always, by the Lightnings, Jesse Granger in Vegas, Mike Russo, in Minnesota, boys, how are we on the very, very eve of this NHL season beginning? We'll start with you, Jesse. How are you? Oh, no. Russo, yeah. Ru- people don't see this as a podcast. Russo was just itching, itching to get in there. So we'll start with Russo. <laughs> well, I was going to just say, as always, you said that it was that you're joined by, as always, by us. And it's not going to be as always in about an hour. Yeah, this is. This is our last one, guys. There's going to be some changes made at The Athletic as far as the, the podcasts go, and the Wednesday roundtable will be no more. Uh, but as always, as in it has been like that for for a good <laughs> portion of our time together because you guys are always bolting around. Sometimes we've had people filling in, but it has been a blast, and we'll talk about that later on. I don't want to start getting tearing up, getting all emotional, leaving you you guys. But yeah, we will, we'll be doing our last show over this next hour. Um and talking a lot of stuff because, as I said, the season, it's, it's basically here, guys. And um, I 
we were looking at what to talk about during this show. And I said, well, I still got my notes from last year at this time. Uh, and we did a bunch of predictions. And that's what people do in our industry at this time. We, we do predictions and we talk predictions. And um, if we're right, we bring it up all the time. If we're wrong, never happened. So that's what we're going to do over the next hour. We're also going to speak to Kevin Kurz, who you may know him as an athletic Islander beat reporter. That is going to change this year. He's heading back to the city of brotherly love. So we'll talk some Islanders with him and his big move over uh, to the Flyers. By the way, Jesse, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You, you say it's the eve of the season. It really feels that way for me because this tonight is the first home game uh, for the Golden Knights. So it's the first Real hot, well, preseason hockey game I'll be attending. Um, they had two preseason games already, but they were on TV. So it doesn't feel the same sitting on my couch watching the game. Yeah. Uh, tonight, I'll be in the arena for the first time since they won 9-3 to um, over Florida to take that cup. So this will be my first time in T-Mobile since then. Wow. Look at that. And that, feel, that feels like, I know we've talked about this the last couple of shows. That feels like yesterday. Like I yeah. feel like yesterday they won the Stanley Cup. And here we are making idiotic predictions as we do each and every year. So guys, let's get it. Get your get your crystal ball out. We're doing it right now. I'm going to put you both on the spot. I have a feeling Russo when it comes to predictions will be a little more like uh or you know, <laughs> sit on the fence. I'm going to force him to make uh predictions because we're not doing podcasts together after this. All right guys, question yeah, I, uh, no- I would By the way, you said you have your notes. You don't have what we picked last year, right? Because I don't even want to know. No, no, I have. I've the only one I keep bringing up all the time is I said the Boston Bruins would have a tough time making the playoffs and they yeah. go out and have the greatest regular season in NHL history. Um, I bet my entire life that I didn't pick Eric Carlson to win the Norris. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man alive. Like it's, it's just one of those in hindsight, you look back at some of the things and you go, people give us actual currency to do this show each and every week but you know what let's just keep fooling them and doing it over and over again until they tell us not to do it anymore um question number one we're going behind the bench guys coach on the hottest seat aka first coach to get their pink slip this season i guess technically we already had one with mike Babcock, which is weird <laughs> because we haven't had a game yet um took my answer year, he, t- he yeah, took my yeah, answer yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure there we go mike Babcock, move on uh last year was bruce boudreaux remember the firing that fans certainly didn't like the way that one was handled but uh all right guys who's on the hottest seat who who are we going to be talking about as the first coach fired uh in this nhl season since Russo jumped the gun on the earlier question, you know, how are you? Uh, Jesse, we'll start with you. I So when I started thinking about this question, I basically thought, okay, what team has the highest expectations that I think are difficult to meet, that are going to be the toughest to meet? And for me, that's the Senators. Um, this is a team that everyone is expecting to make the playoffs, but they haven't really given a, I mean, you look at the players on paper. Yes. Okay. There are some good players here, but they haven't given us any reason to believe that they can make the playoffs. So I'm going to go DJ Smith in Ottawa. I just think, I don't necessarily think he's a bad coach. I think he's in a, in the spot that is the toughest of all the coaches in the league. And therefore I'm going to go with him. Before we get to you, Russo, if memory serves me correctly, I think I picked DJ Smith last year. <laughs> well, so maybe, it's, maybe. Come, it's come full circle. He's getting another shot. Russo, how about you? Well, uh, you know, actually, I would love to go back to last year's show and and look at this because I bet you I picked Boudreaux because I just knew that, you know, they didn't pick up his extension and all that type of stuff. Um, 
DJ is to me the the no brainer choice. Although uh, looking at their and especially actually if they get off to a bad start, because looking at their schedule, it's pretty. Uh, you know, they have a lot of home games early, tons of expectations. New owner in the last year of his deal, as Pierre LeBron wrote about today. Um, if I have to go somebody besides DJ Smith, I'll, I'll go north of the border of me, uh, right straight due north, uh, and that's Rick Bonus. Um, you know, he's got two years left on his deal at a pretty hefty salary. Um, but the expectations are big. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Kevin Shovel Day off at the GM's meetings uh, last month in or earlier this month in Chicago, and he made it very clear that one big reason why he expects Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck to be in their opening lineup is they are in win mount now mode. They make the Dubois trade. They bring in uh, Velarde and Ayafalo, and I think that they are looking to win. So if they get off to a tough start after the way that last year ended where Rick Bonus just destroyed his team in Vegas um, after that loss about their pushback and all that, you, you just got to wonder if, uh, if at some point it might have to be addressed. We're going to have three different answers because I'm looking at St. Louis. I'm looking at mm-hmm. the Blues and I'm looking at a coach who came in as an interim coach, wins the Stanley Cup, and is kind of like that actor who comes out of nowhere, wins an Oscar for best actor or best actress, and then they, they kind of – you know, bank on that and use that for a while. This team's underachieved. And yep. and I, I think he's kind of had that Stanley Cup on him going, I led this team to a cup. Okay, but you haven't done what you should have done in the in the subsequent years. I mean, they were 23rd in the league last year. They're super streaky too. They, they're either on a winning streak or a losing streak, the St. Louis team. So I think if all of a sudden they open the season, you know, uh, four, 10, and two or something like that, I just making numbers up, but just, a bad start to the season. I think Craig Berube is getting getting the pink slip. I think it's just he's he's banked on that cup and rode on that cup long enough. He's got to achieve with this team. He can't underachieve. All right, three different coaches. We usually have at least an agreement with two of us. I can't believe we have three different uh, coaches there. All right, guys, uh, bottom of the barrel. Who's your last place team in the National Hockey League? Russo. San Jose. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, just, they don't pay you by the word here at the athletic. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. First time ever for Russo being short on words. I know. I'm just trying to give us a half hour of saying goodbye to you at the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, uh, I, I just, I think that they are in a two rebuild. A couture is already hurt. Um, you know, they, they've, they just, to me, they have goaltending issues. Um, it just, there's not a lot there. I think it's very clear what Mike Greer is trying to do. Um, you know, especially after moving Eric Carlson and, and I just look at them as like, I, I think that just by virtue of having Connor Bedard, that Chicago is going to be much better this year, you know, Bedard to Hall. I think that could be a uh, pretty good magic. Um, I, I look at them as, as being the bat, the, the clear cut worst team that I've seen right now on paper. Yeah. I was going back and forth between, uh, San Jose and the other terrible team in California that I ended up picking, which was Anaheim. Um, I just think that they're Anaheim looked like a team that was on the the up and coming like last year. And these young players that we all expected so much of haven't developed. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe maybe I was just a year early and they're going to all develop this year. But they just haven't looked like the players. Zegris, yeah, he scores a highlight goal here and there. But he just isn't the the difference making top line player that everyone thought he was going to be, at least yet. Um, so I'm going to go with Anaheim. I just think... It's. It, I mean, it's tough to pick between San Jose and Anaheim, but I feel like there's just more, not not dysfunction off the ice, but just 
it just doesn't feel right in Anaheim for me. I just think that team's going to be bad. Second question in a row, we're all going to have different answers. I'm going to disagree with Russo on this one. Um, I'm going to go with the trend and take Chicago. And the reason is, look at history. Anytime you got that generational talent coming in, you tank to get said talent. You're left with a pretty shitty team. You're you're not <laughs> tanking to get a generational talent for a sudden turnaround. My whole lifetime, that's what it's been. Be it Mario, be it Sid, be it McDavid. The year after they're drafted, they could have a great rookie year, but they're shitty. They're not good yet. They're 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 rebuilding around said player. So I think the Blackhawks will once again be that team. I don't think he, even if he does have himself a great year, a, a Calder year, I don't think uh, it's enough to get them out of the basement. All right, now we go to the other end, the President's Trophy, guys. Your top team in the NHL after eighty-two games, Jesse. I'm going to go Carolina. Uh, there's a bunch of really good teams, but I think for regular season, depth matters so much because you're going to have guys get injured. You're going to need attrition to win games. Um, I don't know if Carolina is the best team in the NHL. There are a bunch of really good ones, but I think they're the best equipped to win a bunch of regular season games. So I'll take uh, the hurt. And, they, and they've been right there uh, real close the last few years. So I'll take Carolina. Uh, not exactly going off the board on that one. I'll go off the board a little bit, I guess, uh, and that's Dallas. You know, Dallas, uh, a win from being in the Stanley Cup final last year, uh, three points from winning the West last year. I think they got better uh, by adding Matt Duchesne. Um, and just <laughs> they're coming off just pounding the wild last night, and, and all their stars scored in that game. I mean, everybody from J-Rob to Pavelski um, to everybody. And, and you know, you'll just look at them up the middle with Rupe Hints and, and obviously the way that Sagan played in the playoffs – um, ben seems to rejuvenate it. They got an incredible blue line led by Heiskin and, and an all-world goalie led by Jake Ottinger. So I just love Dallas this year. I like that pick, and I really was considering Dallas. But my Italian stubbornness got the better of me. I'm going to go with who I picked last year. It defies logic to me that you can have arguably one of the greatest players of all time, also the second best offensive player in the league, and have the depth that they do. And the Edmonton Oilers still can find ways to, to struggle. I think this might be the year they put everything together. I like the addition of Connor Brown. He played with McDavid uh, in Erie, and they just put up ridiculous numbers around here. They combined for 227 points as line mates in the final season in Erie. That's I know it's the Ontario Hockey League, not the NHL, but that's just stupid. Um, I'm, I'm going to punish myself and go with the Edmonton Oilers to win the President's Trophy. Rocket Richard, guys, uh, most goals in the NHL. One Connor McDavid won it last year with 64 goals. Does he repeat Russo? Yeah, I think he does. It's scary when he was talking about getting 70 at the, uh, <laughs> at the, uh, at the, uh, car wash a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they might have the second best, uh, goal scorer there in Drysidel as well. But I, I just, I mean, barring injury, Connor McDavid is, is, above everybody else in this league. There are obviously incredible goal scorers in this league. Uh, you know, uh, down in Colorado, obviously, we know about uh, Nathan McKinnon, if he is healthy, what he could do. Uh, Miko Rantanen, top 50 last year. Braden Point, top 50 last year. Uh, I think Tage Thompson made sure to make it very clear to us that he'd like to get 50. But Connor McDavid, um, David Pasternak, they're going to be, to me, 1-2 again in the league. I'm going to go a little... A little bit off the board and say, so I remember last year we were all saying like, oh, everyone, all we talked about all offseason was how is Austin Matthews as good as Connor McDavid? And then McDavid was like, yeah, I'm going to shut that all up. 
I think the opposite happens. I think we we talk about McDavid scoring all these goals, and Matthews is not the player Connor McDavid is, but Matthews is as good of a goal scorer as Connor McDavid. And I think he says, you know what? He, I may not be the best player here, but I am the best goal scorer in the NHL. I think Austin Matthews comes back and 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 scores more goals than anyone this year. You know, it's funny you put some hypothet- uh, hypothetical words in Austin Matthews' mouth. I'm going to put them in Connor in um, Connor McDavid's mouth. I think last year he scored 64 goals just to prove he could. Yes. You know what? Just to, <laughs> just just to say, yeah, yeah. I I could you could go look at me as a goal scorer. Here, I'll show you. I don't think scoring goals to him is that 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 drive that he has the way it is for Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews battled injuries last year. Austin Matthews had constant attention with his contract not being signed. Both mm-hmm. of those things seem to be put to the side now. I think Austin Matthews is the one who flirts with 70 goals this year. I really, really do. I watched a lot of Leaf games last year. and You could tell something wasn't right because his shot that is just so ridiculously accurate, even in bad spots, was missing. Um, I don't think we see a lot of that. So we have our first agreement here. Austin Matthews for me. I think he, I think he flirts with 70 goals. What about the Norris guys? Best defenseman in the NHL. Jesse? Yeah, this one's boring for me. It's Kale McCarr because yeah. he's the best defenseman in the NHL and he's just getting better. I think last year he had some injuries. I think Colorado was just a little weird last year and, and he still had an awesome year. Um, this year, I think things will be a little bit more back to normal for him and I think he he runs away with it. He missed 22 games and still finished third in Norris voting. Yeah, <laughs> like, what really does that good. say about how good that guy is? <laughs> Russo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll change it up then. Um, I'm not going to go Eric Carlson. I can promise you that I kind of want to do Truba because, uh, that Truba piece that I wrote last week is going to be in the New York times tomorrow. I'm super excited about that. Uh, first, uh, I've had some stories since the New York times bought us, uh, that have appeared on their website, but this is going to be my first story in the print edition. Nice. Um, nice. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of, go- I'm wavering between two guys because I think that also like if, if you see improvements of teams this year. I think you're going to start to look at players like that to put an end to the year of voting. So the two guys that jumped to my head is one in the Western Conference, not that it would be an improvement, but I think Heiskanen is just absolutely all world and what he does for the Dallas Stars. And if they do win the President's Trophy, like I predicted, I think you're going to look right there and um, starting a net and starting on the blue line there with their best blue liner. And the other one is if Buffalo takes the jump that I expect them to take this year, I- I'm looking at Rasmus Dalian. He was right there to me as one of the top blue liners in the league last year, not just offensively, but defensively. He's taking quite the step. Um, and I'll, I'll go with uh, uh, kind of a combo between them. I got my West pick and my East pick. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in hockey. Kale McCarr has got to win the Norris Trophy. It's one of those things we argue about how voters vote. Um, I really hope we can slowly get away from the fact that like just because so-and-so scored, mm. I know that he scored 100 points and that happens almost never for a defenseman. But you tell me one person who is, is building a team today and says, you have a choice, Eric Carlson or Kale McCarr, and they don't pick Kale McCarr, they're, they're morons. So I'm going with Kale. Yeah, but you don't always, it, it's not always just who the best defenseman is in the league. You know, it's got to be the type of season they put in. I mean, Nicholas yeah. Lidstrom was the best defenseman, you know, in the league for many more times than the six or seven times he won the Norris, but just, uh, you know, as a whole. But I, I just think unless McCarr comes out here and shows that he's clear cut ahead of everybody else this season, I just think that it's not just a given that you're giving it to McCarr just because right now we might think he's the best D. 
Vesna, Jesse, you know we start with you with these things. Goaltending talk. Yeah, we're if if Dallas Stars fans are listening, they're going to be pumped with these season previews because uh, I'm I'm taking Jake Ottinger. I think he is elite. I think he's only getting better. I think of the there's a group of elite goalies in the NHL, four or five of them, and I think he's the youngest of the group, and I think he may get the most workload just because I've covered Pete DeBoer as a coach. He likes to play the crap out of his starting goalie, Jake Ottinger. I thought Ottinger played way too many games last year, and I do 62. think they're going to take a step back. Yeah, when 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 he started playing poorly near the end of the playoffs, specifically against Vegas, when the Golden Knights were lighting him up, I remember looking at his stats and saying, wow, is that his... It was like his 75th start of the yeah. season. That's way too many. So I think you're going to see a little bit taken off that, but he's... Pete DeBoer is still going to play him a lot. So um, I think Ottinger is going to be on a really good team. He's a really good goalie and he's going to rack up the wins. So give me Jake Ottinger. Yeah, um, I was going to go with Ottinger, but to just change it up, uh, I'll go to Shesterkin then. Um, You know, I just think that Shesterkin is going to have a bounce back year. He was okay last year, um, but his save percentage, if I remember, was around 915, um, you know, which I'm not even positive was top 10 in the in the NHL. Um, I remember listening to him at the end of the year, and he was not overwhelmed with his uh, with his uh, season comparably to the year before. So I just think the Rangers are going to have a really, really quality year this year. And I think that if that happens, Shesterkin is just going to get a ton of wins. When you talk about workload, by the way, just real quick, uh, you know who Shesterkin's backup is, right? He's going to play a <laughs> lot this year. Even if the plan, even if the plan is not to play him a lot, they're going to see Jonathan Quick a couple times. And they're going to play him a lot because there's no way you're going to play Jonathan Quick 30 games. It, no fucking way. There's no way that happens. Shesterkin's playing a lot this year. Yeah, I took Ottinger too. I mean, uh, there is the question of appearances and he definitely looked tired to me near the end of the playoffs. But I don't know if that's one of those things where it sounds stupid to say for a professional athlete, but maybe getting that out of his system and, and knowing what the demands are going to be this year if he plays anywhere near that many games again. Uh, he's prepared differently. I don't know. Jake Ottinger is... He's up there for me. And and then every time we talk about goaltenders, Jesse brings up Ottinger, which just added to my prediction. Uh, the big one, guys, the heart. Um, I'm going to instill a rule here. Kind of like when you used to be in hockey pools in the 80s and there was a no Gretzky rule. There's a no McDavid rule. Okay. It's simple for us to say, uh, how about the hands down best player on planet Earth? So if Connor McDavid uh, retired today, who wins the Hart Trophy in the 2023-24 season? Russo, we begin with you. Ooh, that's tough. That's like uh, I mentioned Lick Nicholas Lidstrom before, Rob. They used to have a rule in the press box at Joe Louis Arena that unless Lidstrom was absolutely exceptional, he couldn't be a number one star of the game. That was, really? that was like the rule with the press there, yeah, um, because you could just make him the number one star every single game. Uh, there, so that's kind of what we're doing here. So no, you're saying that we're eliminating uh, Connor McDavid, correct? Um, you know what? I, I think Jersey's going to have an unbelievable season this year. So I'm going to go Jack Hughes. Um, you know, again, I, I think that the Hart Trophy. Um, a lot of times we always forget that it's the most valuable to his team. And if a team like New Jersey takes another step this year, uh, like they did winning a playoff round last year, um, if they do it, it's going to be Jack Hughes uh, leading the way. I've already watched some preseason highlights of Jack Hughes. He's already feeling it. Um, I'll go with Hughes. I like that pick a lot. Um, Me too. I'm going to go Me too. with... So, so there's a guy in the league that I feel like he's the Phil Mickelson to Tiger Woods to Connor McDavid because he just he'd have a million wins 
And he'd probably have a couple hearts if not for Connor McDavid. Dry That's Nathan McKinnon. Oh no, Nathan McKinnon for me. I feel like Nathan McKinnon. If Connor McDavid didn't exist, we would think of Nathan McKinnon in a different way. Like he would be the best player in the NHL. And I feel like because Connor McDavid exists, he's kind of just second place. And I feel like he's been so close to winning a heart so many times. If you take McDavid out of it, that this is Nathan McKinnon's time to shine. I'll go. I'll go with McKinnon for for heart. If not, if not McDavid. Because of everything I said earlier in regards to the Rocket Richard, I put in my notes Austin Matthews, but Russo's Russo's turned me. I like the Jack Hughes pick, especially if it's, it's one pick. of those times where voters say most valuable to his team. They took a huge step last year. They raised a lot of eyebrows with how good they they, they played. I could see them doing that. Real quick before we move on, guys, you, Russo, do you get a heart vote? Ah, uh, yes, and you do too, Jesse. Right? Is yep. there such thing? And I brought this up last year, and I'm going to ask it again. With even subliminally, I'm not even saying actively, subliminally, a bit of voter fatigue. Are you looking for reasons to not pick Connor McDavid because it's the obvious choice? Or do you think voters do that? Do you think they're kind of like, you know what? They'll, they'll talk themselves into a Jack Hughes or an Austin Matthews or someone else because of where Connor McDavid is in the grand scheme of things. Jesse? I intentionally don't do that because I think some voters might. So I'm yeah. like, in my head, I'm like, no, I'm going with the guy that's the best because that's how, like, I'm like yeah. fighting the good fight, I guess. I don't know if that's actually the good fight, but in my head, it is. I don't know. It's, uh, like, obviously, not last year with McDavid, although didn't somebody, uh, we know one person in oh, Pittsburgh God. that <laughs> created yeah. some controversy. You know what I, I probably did that um, I know pissed off Bruins fans is I did get Bergeron fatigue. Um, and there were always times where I was trying to analyze other guys to maybe put them in that, in that, in that role, uh, because I think that one is a lot more subjective in trying to figure out what the best defensive forward is in the league. And to just say all the time that Connor, that Patrice Bergeron is always the number one, I think was sometimes a little bit foolish. And so that was probably the fatigue, but I would, you know, to me, if he's the most valuable player to his team, um, you know, like last year, I mean, McDavid won it hands down. But to your point, also what you said to Jesse before about Drysidel, I think if Connor McDavid didn't exist, I think we'd be saying that about Drysidel. Maybe uh, like I don't think Drysidel just rides his coattails and gets points that way. I mean, look who was, you know, up. What do you have? Twelve or thirteen goals in the playoffs. He was absolutely unbelievable. Um, he is such a great, great hockey player in every facet. Um, and if you know, hey, and maybe in a couple of years we might see Drysdale separated from McDavid. Who knows, right? Uh, Drysdale's uh, contracts up in in a couple of years here. Yeah, he's like the Messier to his Gretzky, right? Yeah, I mean, for so many years, it, all the focus is on one that <laughs> you're talking an all time great. Uh, maybe doesn't get the attention he deserves. All right, guys, Stanley Cup champion. Again, if we're right, we're going to play this clip much later on. If we're wrong, we're going to ignore the fact that we ever asked it. Jesse, who is your 2024 Stanley Cup champion? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about every player on the team. So uh, pretty obvious we like this team. I like Dallas. Um, I think they're really good. I think they're young. You look at all their... Like, they've got Pavelski. I don't think he ages, so he doesn't. he's still young to me. Um, but all the other good players on that team are actually young. They're all in their early 20s. I think that team's going to be really, really good. Um we, we've talked a million things about Dallas. We obviously like them. I like their goalie. I like the defense. I like the the deep forwards. I'll take the stars to win the cup and Pete DeBoer to finally get his, his Stanley Cup. Yeah, I um like I really want to pick Vegas to repeat here. 
Um, but I'm going to go with Carolina. I, I just am praying that Carolina doesn't become the San Jose Sharks, the best team that just never wins. Um, and I think last year they could have gotten by Florida if they had not lost Pacioretty, if they had not lost Svechnikov. I think if they are healthy going into their playoffs uh, with Rod Brindamore behind the bench, I think that team is uh, has everything that you need to make them a uh, cup championship. Uh, cup, to con- you know, not only a cup contender, but win a cup. We talked about my stubbornness earlier. I'm just going to stay stubborn. The Edmonton Oilers, you give me the best two offensive players in the world, the depth that they have, and hopefully they can figure out making Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell more of a tandem as opposed to this competition where one's good at one point, one's not. They could do it. Rapid fire, Russo, and this is rapid fire. You give your answer and one uh, sentence to back it up for both of you. I have three more. Connor Bedard, over under 69 and a half points. Russo. Start with Jesse. Jesse. Over. He's really good. Russo. Um, I'll go under and I'm not, and I'm gonna predict that he doesn't even win the Calder. Wow. I love I love the guy, but I'm telling you that I think we're all forgetting there's a lot of incredible rookies in this league this year. I mean, between, you know, Matty Nyes and Logan Cooley and Shane Wright and I mean Fentilli, there are going to be a lot of. This is going to be an incredible rookie class. De- Devin Levi. Yeah, that's another one. Since two thousand only seven yeah. rookies have ever scored seventy or more points. I think uh, it's going to be another one here with Connor Bedard. He, he creeps over seventy points. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one. Does Eric Carlson score a hundred again? Russo. No. No. Jesse. No, no chance no. in the world. And fill in the blank. The Bruins will have blank less points than they did last season. Russo. Would they finish 131? 135? 135? 135. I'll go uh, 39 less points. Wow. Wow, that's aggressive. I I had 28 written down, and I thought that was being – I thought that was a big drop, so – Russo's going even further than me. I don't think they're going to be as good. I have 25, and I thought you guys were going to be like, wow, that many points? All right, so we all I don't think they're getting a huge, A huge, huge drop from the Boston Bruins. There we go. Crystal ball time. We're probably wrong with every single prediction, and now the Dallas Stars are absolutely doomed. Uh, who is not doomed is Kevin Kurz, who's going to join us after the break to talk about his shift from the Islanders to the Flyers, and we'll talk some Islanders as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So you're probably familiar with our next guest if you read anything on The Athletic regarding the New York Islanders over the last couple of years. But this season, he's heading home, back to Philadelphia to take over the Flyers beat. Let's welcome back Kevin Kurz to the show. Congrats on the new gig and, and welcome yeah. back. 
Thanks, guys. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, not only that, uh, Kevin was listening to our previous segment, our uh, predictions for next <laughs> season. And as soon as we welcomed him off the air, I said, hey, how are you, Kevin? He says, by the way, Rob, it's the Bruins will have fewer points not less points he was editing while he was listening so yeah that, I that appreciate was, that. that was very uh that was very mark lazarus of you <laughs> hey call me out call me out if i do something wrong um we're gonna squeeze every bit of islander Ke- kevin juice is one of, of those annoying those annoying people on twitter that like if you put a wrong grammar in a tweet they come at you and rip and rip only and if they rip you only if it's you yeah. know you're an idiot y-o-u-r that's when you reply yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's so infuriating when someone does it too <laughs> when you're like angry and they say like yeah that's the wrong you're the wrong there um anyways like i said we're gonna squeeze the last bit of islander juice from your your job but we're, we're let's talk a little bit about the new gig though like how excited are you okay to go back to your your home area. I know you grew up in the suburb of Philadelphia, fan of the team, and for good measure, you get to deal with torts on a daily basis now. <laughs> well, you know, from my perspective, it's a good time, I think, to get in um, as a beat guy because it, obviously the organization has kind of uh, undergone a reset in the last few months, um, shifting from the Chuck Fletcher era to now the Keith Jones, Danny Briere era. Um, two guys I've known for a long, long time. You know, everybody knows and likes Keith Jones, right? Um, and you know, I think I still think they're interesting. You know, they do have a lot of good young players. They have some core pieces that, uh, you know, Sean Couturier is he going to return to become one of the best two-way centers in the NHL? Um, a guy like Morgan Frost is he going to finally emerge, or is he someone that you know maybe they could end up trading? Travis Sanheim, another guy, is he someone that gets dangled, or is he part of the core moving forward? So. I think there's plenty of storylines. They're not going to win a whole lot of games. I think everyone knows that. Obviously, torts. I expect to keep things interesting. I've never covered them before. Um, I've heard plenty of. Uh, I've talked to plenty of other people that have. Um, so I think I have a pretty good understanding of what to expect. Uh, we'll see if that's the case. But um, and obviously, I know the town and I know the fan base and. The Flyers right now, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the one of the words that gets thrown about. Uh, thrown around about them most often is uh, apathy. There's a lot of apathy in Philadelphia towards the Flyers right now. You have so many other good teams in the area. The Flyers are obviously not one of them. Um, so it's going to be interesting to me to see how they combat that moving forward and, and try to get that building, you know, packed and rowdy and loud again. We we talk a lot about Philly fans and and like, you know, the Philly fans as well as anyone. You were one. What what do you think it's going to be like to write for Philly fans? <laughs> You know what? It's, I, I I think I, I've always sort of written that way, to be yeah. honest. Um, and maybe right away, it didn't sit well when I went to San Jose and, and it was uh, not a huge hockey market. And um, I got a lot of who the hell is this guy to come write about our hockey team. He's from the East Coast. I, you know, I grew up listening to sports radio and reading people like Tim Panaccio and, 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 uh, and the like. So um, I, I think I sort of already write that way. I think Islanders fans are a little are a little bit the same as Philly fans. There's just yeah. not as many of them. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not really worried about that part of it. And, and that's why I'm a little bit intrigued to see how Keith Jones, um, the steps he takes to, again, combat the apathy that seeped in. Because, I, you know, you look at some of the messaging that's gone on that, that was going on before Keith took over. The fans aren't stupid. They could tell that there was no direction um you know when chuck fletcher was in charge i think keith is now you know they have a direction they have a plan in place they're being honest with the fans about that plan 
And I think that's the best way to handle them. Now, whether that works, who knows? But um, there's there's now, I think, some honesty coming from the front office because Keith Jones, I, I think that's the only way he knows how to be. Is he's going to be honest with these people and uh, he's going to tell them what the plan is. And it might take a little bit of time, but um, and I think that'll help. I think that'll pay off. I think the Philly fans appreciate that sort of uh, messaging. Yeah. If you're a Flyers fan, make sure to read uh, Kevin's uh, Q&A. I sat down with uh, Keith Jones at the devil's flyers game uh the other night um you know kevin uh you know we're buddies uh you know i've always said that you're going to be the first athletic writer to cover all 32 markets uh here so uh, you're, you're <laughs> no, three this is the last one yeah no, one, no more of those damn introduction letters that's hopefully that's yeah. undone with this. Tw- 29 to go although i again i thought that your introduction letter really struck the right uh the, the right chord because i think if flyer fans uh especially the newer generation aren't familiar with the fact that you're from Philly and uh, work for the Flyers. I think this is going to be really uh, cool for them to read somebody uh, so ingrained there. Um, let's talk about your old gig. Uh, you know, your, uh, the Islanders, um, interesting offseason for them. Obviously, they made the big trade for Horvat last year. They re-signed both their goaltenders. I think they're making half the cap. Um, you know, uh, the team really had a, played at a great pace in the second half of the season without Barzell. Um, what do you expect of the Islanders this season? I think they're going to be better than a lot of New York Islander fans expect them to be. Uh, maybe that's just because the way they're conditioned. But I, I I look at the fact that they were a strong team down the stretch last season. They really give, gave Carolina, and, and I agree with you, Mike. I think Carolina, that's my preseason pick to win the Stanley Cup also. And if Carolina was a little bit healthier in the first round, maybe they have a little bit of an easier time with the Islanders, but they really gave them everything they could handle. It was two overtime games that Carolina won, both on goals that you would normally see Ilya Sorokin stop, especially in game six. So I I think they found their identity over the last few weeks. Lane Lambert was still in his first year as coach when when Barzell went out. I think that forced to al- they that forced them to alter their style a little bit. They're not going to be all that exciting to watch again if they're winning games. That is, um, they kind of reverted back to a little bit of a you know. There's not a whole lot of action there, but that's the way they played. That's the way they had success under Barry Trotz, obviously. So I think with Horvat coming in in a full year, I, they didn't they didn't change anything as as pretty much everyone knows at this point. Um, they brought back Pierre Engvall, Scott Mayfield, Semyon Varlamov. I mean, all those guys. Maybe those are three contracts that are too long, and maybe in three years they won't look like they're good contracts. But for the here and now, this is a team that's still trying to compete. So you really had to bring all those guys back. Mayfield, you can maybe make the case that they should have let him walk and looked for someone a little bit more mobile, but. Um, you know, I, I think they're still a good team. Um, I think they have the best goaltending tandem in the league. Um, they're obviously a little bit concerned, I think with the pace from the back end and uh, are they going to score enough goals? But, uh, I, you know, I, I look at them as right now they're a playoff bubble team and maybe, you know, you make a couple moves throughout the course of the year leading up to the trade deadline. Um, you get in and you see what happens. Were you surprised at the lack of the moves in the offseason? Yes and no. Um, I, I looked at some of the other options out there, and I just—I mean, we can just go down the list. Pierre Engvall came in, and he fit in really well with Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri on a line. It was the Islanders' best line over the last few weeks of the season, and in the playoffs. Without him, they might not get into the playoffs because you remember they just barely snuck in. Um, Mayfield, big guy, great penalty killer. Uh, he's a third pair D man. Um, 
He's a big body. He's a right shot defenseman. It, it's hard to find those guys on the open market. And again, I, you can maybe make the case that they should have looked for a more offensive guy because you've got Noah Dobson basically in that, you know, top puck moving defenseman role. And, and he was just okay last year. He didn't really, I think, take the steps that they expected him to take. Still a good prospect, still a lot of room to grow. Could be much better this season. But their biggest issue was they didn't play uh, um, with enough pace from, you know, from the blue line back. Um, and they didn't really change up the defense core at all. So is that going to, you know, is that going to hurt them moving forward? That's, that's, I think, the main concern with this team going forward. And then Varlamov, you know, maybe there were a couple backup goalies out there, but he's comfortable in that backup role. He's very good friends with Ilya Sorokin. He'll be fine if he only starts 20 to 25 games a year um, or if he's only playing once, you know, once a week, once every 10 days. And he's still a pretty good goalie. I mean, you know, you look at backup goalies around the league. Where do you rank Semyon Varlamov? I mean, Jesse, that's first, I could ask you that question. I think yeah, he's the best. It, yeah, I think he's the perfect backup goalie, especially like you said, because they're friends. Yeah, and and that's the strength of the team. So, um, you know, Sorokin obviously is a Vesna candidate. You're not losing a whole lot putting Varlamov in there, and and that's that's still going to have to be the backbone of this team and how they win games. Is their goaltender is going to have to be better than the other goaltender? Let's let's stick there because this is my our last show. So you know I'm going to go heavy on the goaltending. <laughs> um, you, covering Sorokin, like his start, like he 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 played a little bit two years ago, then he got the 50 games the year before, and then last year he gets 62. Like, what do you, what did you learn covering him? What what impresses you most about him? I, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but 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 this guy, I mean, he he really does not overthink anything. You ask him any question at all. I remember asking him at the end of the season what it would mean to be a Vesna finalist. Uh, well, you know, it, it'd be cool, but he doesn't really think about it. And, um, when he when he was playing, he went through a tough stretch. I think last January, and he he really has the ability to shake to, to to shake things off quickly. But obviously, his athleticism is just ridiculous. I mean, he he never looks like he's out of a save, and we we've seen him multiple times. It looks like it's going to be a tap in for the other for the other uh, for you know somebody else, and and he you know whirls around and whips his goalie stick out and makes this ridiculous save that's on the high. I mean, he's made I think. Three separate times we've seen him sort of just bend his back at a crazy angle and and whip the goalie stick around and stop a puck out of midair and so he he's he really is never out of a save and um, I think you've talked to Adam Francilia too right Jesse yep. I, I got some interesting insight on on him just he just detailed with me how um, just how effective Sorokin's movement is in the crease you know he's not over committing he's um, he's, he's just very steady. So, you know, I, I'm no goalie expert like you, but, um, I think he, he, it does seem like he makes a lot of saves that might be difficult for other goaltenders, but look very easy, you know, yeah. in, in fact, so easy that if you're an average viewer walking at home, you don't realize what he just did. You're like, wow, that should have been a tough save, but like he was right there in plenty of time. Kevin, uh, Lou Lamorello, 80 years old, uh, young 80. Uh, every time you talk, the talks. same as Mick Jagger. Yeah, I know. Um, and it's a, it, you know, I mean, but I mean, basically look, the same person. <laughs> Seriously, um, you know, uh, but you've gotten a you know, not that he speaks to the media often, but he is approachable, much more approachable than actually people mm -hmm. uh, think, and, and things like that. If you had yeah. a guess, I mean, how much longer is is he going to do this? Because uh, you know, there are times where I look at him, I'm thinking that he he's. 
I think prepping to wrap it up, which obviously that's got to be in the back of his mind. But then there's times you talk to him where you just think he's going to be around forever, kind of like Gary Bettman. <laughs> yeah, and you look at the moves he's making. I mean, I don't think he's going to be around when Pierre Engvall's seven-year contract <laughs> is, is coming to an end. <laughs> I wouldn't so count maybe it that's out. Why, uh, <laughs> uh. Um, you know, everyone looks at this team, and probably rightfully so, and says, boy, this in another three or four years, it might be a little bit rough on the island with the lack of prospects and some of their aging contracts. But um, I, I don't really have any sense of that. I, you know, never has he ever given any sort of indication that he's ready to retire. I, I remember I remember asking him that question. Um, it was over a year ago now at, uh, at the golf tournament, which is kind of the first uh, time we get a chance to talk to these guys. And, you know, I said, how excited do you get this time of year and he says he's when when i'm not excited when training camp begins i'll know it's time to hang it up and i haven't reached that point yet so um obviously chris lamorello is is here as the assistant general manager maybe there's a you know a line of succession there um but i don't think again if that's the case we're never going to hear about it we're never going to know <laughs> um so I don't know. I mean, he he's he the guy still looks looks good to me and he's he's he uh you know, he's I don't see any signs of slowing down at all uh, when it comes to Lou. So I, I don't, don't really have an answer. Uh Kevin, Corey Schneider retired, uh and I was going back to that uh that trade at the draft 13 years ago or whatever it was and Bo Horvat was the the, the big deal if you guys remember yeah. that, but um just given what you saw since that deal, um, you alluded to this earlier, but what are we expecting from Bo Horvat with a full season with an Islander jersey on? I mean, I, I find him to be such an interesting player because sometimes you look and you think this is a, the type of missing piece a team needs. And then other times mm-hmm. I feel like he disappears for long periods of time. Yeah, it was really interesting because he came in um, right after the All-Star break and they put him with Matt Barzell. They moved Barzell from the center to the wing. I personally think Barzell's better as a winger anyway. Um, and they had instant chemistry, both at five on five and on the power play, which was generally abysmal throughout the course of the year. Then Barzell gets hurt just six games into, you know, after Horvat had arrived. And that obviously didn't help Horvat. Now, I would also argue he wasn't playing all that well either down the stretch. He he kind of had that initial um, impact right away where he was really strong. And then, um, then he faded, uh, you know, he had to do more offensively for sure. Um, but he was still out there, um, in key situations, taking key face-offs, obviously, uh, it, it, the, to me, one of the, maybe the biggest storyline headed into the Islander season is, is that chemistry between Horvat and Barzell going to present itself again, because that's going to be the key to the offense. Again, both at five on five and on the power play, which finished I think thirtieth last year, um, they need that power play to get to to get going because, especially because this is a team that's going to expect to play in a lot of go, uh, low scoring games. You need to win the special teams battle more times than not. So that starts with the power play. Um, you know, we'll see. He's here from from day one. He, he didn't make any secret about the fact that moving from Vancouver to, to New York last season, moving his family in the middle of the season and all that was difficult. You know, sometimes maybe we don't think about some of the off-ice stuff these guys are going through. Vancouver to New York is not an easy trip. Um, but now he's settled here and um, he's right back with, uh, with Barzell again. They're going to play, I think, together tonight um, against the Flyers um, at the Islanders. So, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see how that looks. 
in the early goings, but that's going to be a huge, huge key for the Islanders this season. Uh, Kevin, uh, just a final question for you. Um, do you want to give uh, Flyers fans just an indication of uh, when, when you're moving there full time, uh, what your next month is going to be like as you c- kind of rearrange your life? And and you also you, you <laughs> joked about covering torts and you've talked to a lot of people covering torts, you know, as a sports writer. I mean, you're you are a veteran sports writer, but, you know, I mean, there are times where. Nobody wants to become a YouTube moment and go viral and all that. I mean, yeah. is is there anxiety uh, when it comes to covering somebody like him? Yeah, but I, you know, in my experience with 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 coaches like that, and 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 Pete Pete DeBoer and I would would get into it every once in a while too, and that would happen. But um, you know, it's as long as you're prepared and you ask a coherent question, and if he gives you if he gives you an answer that is snippy or or you don't like i mean what can you do i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna lose sleep over that um but you know i i I think it's just you know he doesn't like talking what what's been what's been relayed to me from a couple different places is he's not big on talking breaking down the game over uh, with with what just happened he's like well you guys just watched it you saw what happened what do you need me to talk about it for right that's Mm -hmm. i think that's the gist of a lot of the uh maybe the awkward moments between between torts and some reporters. Um, and, you know, we don't do a whole lot of game recaps, right? Maybe you still do or so. I don't, I'm not <laughs> going to do a whole lot of game recaps, but <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting. It's, it, I'm not really anxious about it yet. I'm sure there'll be a couple moments where that happens, but um, what can you do? That's part of the job, right? Right. And what's your next month going to look like here? When are you getting there? Yeah, I'm going to be around the. T- I'm going to be around the Flyers mostly. Um, I'm on the first two road trips. They go Columbus, Ottawa to start the season, and then it's I think it's Dallas and Vegas. So I'll get a beer with Jesse when we're in Vegas. Right. I, think we have, I think we have three nights there, as a matter of fact. Um, so I'll be around the Flyers as much as possible. You know, obviously it's not that far from Philly. I'll be down there from. I think I'm only going to miss one game in October um, when I'm moving. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to better not right be the game that Minnesota's there because I'm no, on that it's the road game trip. after I checked. Yes, <laughs> it is the game after that. It's just Carolina. So I'll, I'll miss I'll miss our friend Bernsey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Kev, thanks so much for uh, coming on, talking about the new gig. We're looking forward to reading uh, all about the Flyers, and we'll see that first viral moment that Russo's talking about when he <laughs> oh, yeah. welcomes you to the team officially with some snippy comment. Yeah. Thanks, Kev. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Okay, thanks, guys. Kevin Kerr is the Athletics' new Flyers beat writer. Coming up after the break, rapid fire. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, guys, my favorite time of the show and yours for the final time. Rapid fire. 
And you know what, Russo? Go as long as you want. It's my last show. Uh, rapid fire topic <laughs> number one. Steven Stamkos, of course, entering the last year of that eight-year $68 million deal. He was asked if there were conversations uh, about a contract extension, and I'm going to read his quote directly. Quote, to be honest, I'm disappointed in the lack of talk in that regard. It was something that I expressed at the end of last year that I wanted to get something done before training camp started. End quote. It's kind of like when your parents used to tell you, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Well, Steven Stamkos is disappointed. Russo, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, obviously, uh, well, I, I, I really respect Steven Stamkos and how honest he always is in these situations. And I'm sure this summer when he saw some of the extensions that went around, you know, Hagel and I think Jeannot was re-signed. And then you got, you know, Sorelli locked up for a long time. Obviously, Point locked up for a long time. Kutrov locked up for a long point. I think Nick Paul got a new deal. I think he, he's probably like, well, uh, how about your captain here? I'm the guy that still is scoring, uh, you know, at a 30-something goal pace and um, has had a couple really good years in a row after, you know, really three or four years ago, looking like he, his game had dropped off significantly after some of the injuries. So um, it's going to be interesting how Tampa Bay uh, uh, handles this. Um, for them to not start really having, uh, you know, major conversations with them makes you wonder if they have looked at it and said, at his age and his injuries and things like, and what he's going to cost that maybe they just are not um, able to stomach uh, re-signing him. So we're going to just see uh, where this goes from here, but definitely an awkward start to a season where the captain basically goes public the way that he did there. Yeah. For a, for an organization that doesn't have much going on, like, right. Like it just seems like everything goes well in Tampa and like everything's smooth and there's never any, any drama or, or problems in Tampa Bay. It's, it, I, it shocked me when I saw the quote, I, I was like, Whoa, like it, it hit me. I was not expecting that. He's, I mean, he's played 81 games each of the last two years. Like Mike said, it's, I feel like the injury concerns Maybe not behind him, but they definitely aren't what they were a couple years ago when it looked like he was falling apart. Um, I think he's proven over the last two years that he's not falling apart. He had a hundred and something points two years ago. Last year, he scored like 35 goals. He's such a good player. I am shocked um, because of the player, because of the organization that this is happening right now in Tampa. It's surprising. I agree. And, and just to put a bow on this, Julian Breesbaugh did com- comment on it. He said, I need to see how this season plays out before I make those decisions. After the season... Once I've gathered that information, I could work with Steven and his agent on a contract structure that will be in the best interest of both sides. So I think that kind of alludes to what you guys are talking about. If, if yeah. we see a decline in Steven Stamkos, that's going to affect it. He doesn't. But I think the outrage that I've seen it, over this yeah. quote is, is warranted yeah. because this is, this is a guy who deserves a, a proper send-off, we'll call it, uh, for what he's done yeah. for the organization. I think the biggest thing, guys, is is not so much like, look, Jillian Breedswa is one smart guy, and he knows the salary structure of this team and where he could pay this guy and, and all that type of stuff. I think where, to me, the most surprise was was what it felt like was a lack of communication where Steven was confused about where everything is at and that, yeah. that, that this maybe these conversations didn't have with him. Now, if these conversations were had with him and Julian Breedswa told him, like, look, we, you've got to see how you play this here. You know, right now we have we have um, you know uh, a lot of stuff to sit figure out in terms of our future here and your age and your advanced age and things like that. If that was said to him and he brought this up, then that's to me uh, more on Stephen than the organization. All right, rapid fire topic number two: Mark Recchi 
Blue Jackets announced they've added him as an assistant coach uh, to Pascal Vincent, Hall of Fame forward, obviously, former Penguins and Devils assistant coach uh, as well. Your thoughts on Mark Recchi getting back behind the bench, Jesse? I like it. I yeah. like it. And and a coaching staff that is obviously having some turnover right before the season, I, I think it's a good move. Some turnover. <laughs> some turnover. I try. <laughs> That was awesome. I just some <laughs> turnover. And, uh, if that's what you want to call it, we'll, we'll go with that, Russo. <laughs> yeah, they've had some stuff going on behind the scenes that caused them to have to fire hire an assistant uh, a day after training camp starts. Basically, um, I like it. I mean, Matt Mark Recchi is such a great hockey guy. Uh, obviously, an awesome player, but he's experienced in you know behind the scenes as well. Um, you know, you add somebody like him in there, I, I think it could only be a good thing. Topic number three, the Senators looking to create some cap space. They want to re-sign restricted free agent Shane Pinto, according to Pierre Lebrun, uh, Matthew Joseph, one player who's been rumored to possibly be moving. They have a grand total of $121,953 in cap space. That seems like a lot of money to guys like us, but that's literally pennies in regards to a salary cap. Russo, is this thing going to actually happen or are we going to be hearing about this for a bit? Yeah, I'll bet my life that Pinto's not signing for a buck twenty-five. Um, yeah, <laughs> buck twenty-one. Uh, yeah, buck twenty-one. Uh, that's not even enough to buy yourself a new car. Um, uh, you know, when you when you sign that deal. So anyway, um, look, uh, I mean, they're gonna have to make some moves, or this this poor kid's gonna have to sit out for a long, long time after a really quality twenty-goal season last year. And so, um, the problem that Ottawa faces is that there's a lot of teams out there that are at the cap you know, half the league. So there's not a lot of teams that could take on, you know, the name being, uh, you know, bantied around, I think is Matthew Joseph. Um, so they're going to have to look at a team that has a ton of cap space, like Philadelphia or one of the teams near the bottom, to try to take uh, not only Joseph, but probably an asset to create the space to, uh, to basically re-sign Pinto here. So um, it's, it's gonna, you know, I, f- I feel bad for this kid. Uh, you know, he, as I joked on last week's show, when Kalen Addison signed, Pinto and him are not going to take the same, you know, he, you know, I joke that Kalen Addison might've been the longest, uh, like the short, the smallest contract in NHL history for a contract dispute. Pinto is not going to take his qualifying offer, which was roughly around the same. He is going to need to be paid in the two and a half range, I would think. And so they're going to have to get yep. rid of a player at some capacity. I, I totally agree with everything Mike said. I think he covered it. The only thing I'll add is, 120,000 in cap space is a ton of room um, for for like uh, someone that covers the Golden Knights. Last year, when they signed Nick Haig, they had $11 in cap space. Not $11,000, $11. I remember joking, I had a one-on-one with uh, owner Bill Foley short, like a couple days after they signed that contract. And I joked with him, I was like, you guys have enough cap space to buy a beer at T-Mobile Arena. And he laughed and goes, no, we don't. It costs more than $11. <laughs> 11 bucks that's got to be a record that's that like as far yeah. as it, the exact well, amount that's got to be close if you look if you look at nick haig's like cap hit it's the weirdest number ever because they had to structure that contract so that it would exactly fit into the thing like you, you look at all these and they're all round numbers with like a bunch of zeros at the end and then you get to nick haig and his cap hit is two million two hundred ninety four thousand one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> crazy uh, I talked about this earlier with Kevin. Corey Schneider announcing his retirement after 13 seasons. Uh, played in the AHL last year. Said there were some you know, offers coming from overseas, but, quote, 
I just didn't want to play in the American Hockey League again, and I knew the NHL was a long shot. I think my body just kind of said, that's enough. Um, I Like I said to Kevin, I, I always think of that draft where Gary Bettman comes out and says, we have a trade to announce, and he's getting booed because he's Gary Bettman, and he just said to the New Jersey crowd, you're going to want to hear this one. Jesse, goaltending topic, we always start with you. Yeah, Corey, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, yeah, he had a really long, good career. I mean... If you, if you can make that much money playing hockey, that's a pretty damn good career. I think because he was drafted so highly, he was a first-round pick for the Canucks, I think there were much, much higher expectations for him. He probably didn't meet those. But um, in the end, when you look back on it, played a lot of NHL games. Um, and and it, had, it had a really good season for New Jersey. You look back, back in 15-16, he finished 6th in the Vezina voting, 17th in the Hart voting. He was really good that year. Never really lived up to expectation, but a good career. My body says every day that that's enough, by the way. Every day. <laughs> um, yeah, that hit home for me. You, you know the other thing on this podcast that hit home for me was Kevin Kerr saying that Lou said that he was going to hang it up every, if he ever showed up to training camp, not excited. And I was like, well, maybe that I should have hung it up like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Jer- Jeremy Rutherford just texted me that Jay Bomeister is 40 years old. I covered him as a rookie at 18. That's another thing that tells me it's time to hang it up. Screw Corey Schneider. It's about are you are you retiring right now on this podcast? My retirement. (laughs) I'm taking the luster away from from Rob's final show here. It's over. (laughs) I call it quits. This is going to be like when in 2002 and when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup and everybody's all excited and on the ice, Scotty Bowman's like, "That's enough. I'm done." Yeah, and everybody's like, "All right, let's write about Bowman now and not the Red Wings anymore." (laughs) That's what I just did. Usually, at this point, I ask you what, what you're working on this uh, week so we can talk about it next week. There is no next week. We've talked about it throughout the show. Just give me a second to say it's been an absolute pleasure talking hockey with the two of you over the last season. It's been fun. Jesse, for two seasons with you. Uh, so, yeah, it has been great, guys. And obviously, just changes are made. And hopefully, we'll get to talk to each other again very soon in another, another avenue, maybe. Yeah, you are a polished pro. Um I uh, I joined the show and I get us canceled. Um, I apologize for that. It's all Russo's fault. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but you are you are such a polished broadcaster, Rob. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know y- uh, you from here from afar, and uh, really looking forward to uh, in a couple weeks being in Toronto and uh, and we could uh, grab a beer together and uh, toast the show that you've done an incredible job on uh, for a couple of years here. Absolutely, yep. yep. It's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, if anyone questions what what russo's saying how polished and good rob is at this job just go back and find one of the episodes where i had to do his job and listen to how (laughs) clunky and awkward every transition from every topic it it is so much harder than rob makes it look like it russo and i do most of the talking our jobs are so easy because rob is so good at what he does it is much much harder than it sounds um so Great job. It's been awesome working with you. Yeah, and I want you to still send uh, all your little cool factoids uh, because you are a hockey encyclopedia. (laughs) Uh, All your little neat little things that I've stolen from the show and thrown in articles. I expect that now in text messages. Yeah, I I remember getting, I get texts from Russo sometimes. He's about to do like Edmonton radio or something. And he'll be like, what was that stat you said on the show? I got to bring it up. What was that stat? (laughs) Bring it up. I'll just send him 50 texts with like crazy stats. And I'll still do it whether we're doing this. Or not. Also, big thanks to Jeff Domet, our producer, yep. my good buddy. He uh, he puts his show together every week, and is gonna. I, I love working with him. It's gonna be uh, sad not working with him on a weekly basis. But guys, the Athletic Hockey Show does return tomorrow.
on Thursday. Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. For the last time, for Jesse, for Russo, I'm Pizzo. Enjoy the season.